solidarity to workers everywhere for 2020 International Workers' Day. In this climate of pandemic despair, we must acknowledge that capitalism is the virus and we need to eradicate it. As workers, we are not just cogs in a wheel. We are the wheel. We are the people who work in the shops, drive the lorries, build the houses, fix the boilers, teach the children, care for the sick, and much, much more. The current system has clearly demonstrated it is not fit for purpose, especially in the health and social care sector. A special word for frontline workers, healthcare staff, carers and those who have and are using their own resources to provide PPE equipment, subsidising a depleted health service in a bid to protect the sick and vulnerable. We defy Boris Johnson's revolting herd immunity approach and we do not accept the argument from any quarter that the private sector can deliver health or social complex care. We have enough evidence to the contrary. What we do know is that we need to break with the past and build an alternative. A future free from profits before people and health, free from pandemics. A future that's humane, that workers are acknowledged for our collective contribute. We need to fight for our future. We have the power. We need to collectively use it. If we workers take the notion We can stop the speeding trains Every ship out on the ocean We can tie with mighty chains Fleets and armies of all nations Every mine and every mill Every wheel in the Will at our command stand still I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Said I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, said he I never died, said he in Salt Lake City, Joe says I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, said Joe, but I ain't dead. Said Joe, but I ain't dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man Says Joe, I didn't die Says Joe, I didn't die 
Joe Hill ain't dead, he says to me. Joe Hill ain't never died. Where workers strike and organize, Joe Hill is at their side. Joe Hill is at their side. And standing there, big as life, smiling with his eyes, says Joe what they can never kill, went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where working folks defend their rights, it's there you'll find Joe Hill. It's there you'll find Joe Hill. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, said he. I never died, said he. This is the Pat O'Donnell Socialist Republican Forum, sending Mayday greetings to all our listeners. That introduction was from trade union activist Patricia Campbell, followed by the classic song Joe Hill, sung there for us by the wonderful American singer Anne Feeney. This is a particularly unusual Mayday because of the pandemic spreading throughout Europe and the rest of the world. We're now going to hear an interview with the General Secretary of the Independent Workers' Union, Noel Murphy. Noel is a resident of Cork City, and you'll hear from his interview that he has a wide-ranging knowledge and experience of the workers' movement in Ireland. Noel, you're welcome. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, Tommy. Thank you very much. A bit, um, I suppose, being tied up or being locked away all the time is, is getting the, the better of us. But nonetheless, I mean, the nature of our work is that we can continue to operate from home anyway, by, by and large. So we just, get on, we just get on with it, that's all we can. Good. It strikes me, Noel, uh, that perhaps one uh, of your old citizens would be delighted. The Reverend Father Matthew must be dancing if not at pub open in Cork. <laughs> I suppose he is. Uh, I suppose an unusual way to, to, to look at things. Listen, we'll not be too flippant, Noel, the situation. <laughs> there's a downside to that, okay, whereas uh, the late Father Matthew might have been delighted, I suppose, with the, with, with, with the lack of drink. But, of course, there's a lot of people who have lost their jobs as a result of it. Of course. Right? And, naturally enough, they are feeling the economic consequences of that. And from the point of view of the industry overall, and, and it's, it's a fairly big industry because not only are you talking about the staff inside in pubs and the, the owners of pubs, but you have breweries and delivery and all the other aspects of it. Uh, it must be having a fairly large uh, impact economically, um, well, well, throughout the state and in, in the various regions, I suppose. No doubt about that. 
Undoubtedly. So tell us just in general, Noel, uh, apart as and we can't obviously uh, dismiss the impact that it's having on the uh, hospitality industry, but in general, what do you think is happening to the, uh, or what impact is this pandemic having on the working people in this country and even abroad in general? Yeah, well, okay, if we just take um, our own country first, is that, well, obviously, of course, you have a huge level of unemployment has has arisen out of it. Um, Naturally enough, um, there, there has to be some assistance by the state in that regard. And I suppose it's interesting to note is that if you have been made unemployed as a result of the pandemic, is that your unemployment payment is substantially higher than somebody who had been unemployed prior to the pandemic. So that's rather interesting. There's a difference of almost 150 euros a week. Uh, So how it can operate now at 350, which is welcome, right? Whereas before it was deemed to be okay that you could survive on 203, uh, I certainly find that to be very interesting. So the unemployment element is one thing. I suppose it's good that in order to retain as much industry as possible is that the state is intervening. And again, I find it interesting to notice that, say, on a European Union level, prior to this crisis, it was deemed to be against the rules of the European Union for the state to make any intervention um, financially into industry. Uh, And no, it doesn't seem to be a problem at all. So it seems rather interesting to me is that the rules can, can change from time to time. I suppose you would say, no, although that is to preserve capitalism rather than to do well, a, well, well, a, a... Well, it's to preserve capitalism, but nonetheless, say, if we had a situation where we were trying to, um, for example, an industry, a private industry that was in trouble, uh, and if the only way to save the jobs involved maybe was to nationalise that industry, that would have been banned by the rules of the European Union. Or even if it wasn't to be totally nationalised, but if the state were to give a substantial financial uh, injection into a company, uh, that would have been banned again by the rules of the European Union. But um, okay, it may be saving capitalism, but I just find it interesting how the rules, which appear to be so, or which were uh, so rigidly applied in the past, can all of a sudden be, you know, be bent all over the place. Of course, and maybe even pertinent to our situation today, because I was listening there a couple of days ago to Paul Murphy, TD, talking about the Debenhams case and calling for the state to intervene there. So I think you're, what you're saying is very pertinent. Other issues, Noel, that are relevant at the moment, I think maybe I'd like to hear you comment on, and that's the question of agency work. Now, we heard very recently of fruit pickers being taken into Ireland, but agency work appears to me to be a very questionable situation where we're not even sure that the unfortunate people that are employed by agencies actually get the full amount of money that they're supposed to get, and it's, it's a bordering on, on, the, on the criminal, I would suggest. Or Have you any ideas or concept or any comment on that? 
I have indeed. Now, I have no first-hand information as such on the Keeling situation. Of course, of course. But, but, that but I, I am dealing directly with some agencies in regard to the uh, meat industries, uh, meat and food industries in this part of the country. And, okay, for convenience, some of the food factories go to agencies in order to get a supply of workers they had, un until this crisis obviously, they had a difficulty in finding workers and they'd go to the agency. But say even the lowest rate of pay and as I said I have first hand experience of this, where the company itself may be paid one or two different rates of pay, the lowest rate of pay was not applied uh, to the staff who were brought in by the agency to the company. Furthermore, such issues as the 50% extra, which has which is normally paid for overtime, has not been applied to agency workers. And I've even come across situations where um, an annual Christmas bonus, right, of maybe two or three hundred euros extra, which would apply to the workers directly employed by the firm, was not paid out to the agency worker. Now, of course, this is at variance even with the protective legislation, the agency legislation, which is there, which very broadly speaking says is that the agency worker can be treated no less favourably than the worker who is directly employed by the enterprise. However, most of the agency workers tend to be non-Irish workers. These are the ones in the food industry that I'm dealing with directly. Uh, they tend to be non-Irish workers, and the rules which would apply to Irish workers are not being applied in these particular cases. Um, when this pandemic is over, I think we could have a lot of difficulties, and there'll be a lot of conflict with these agencies. But it seems to me is that the only purpose of the agency, I suppose on the face of it, it's to provide workers to industry, but in reality, like everything else, their primary purpose is to make a profit for themselves, and it would seem as that maybe they charge uh, X amount of money to the enterprise, but they don't pay out that extra amount of, that X amount of money to the workers that they supply to the enterprise. And I think that's very, very unfortunate that this kind of thing is still going on in this day and age. Extreme exploitation of labour, of course. Uh, which brings me to the next question, Noel, uh, the old one of the Industrial Relations Act. Can it survive this pandemic, do you think? Um, well, the question of the Industrial Relations Act is that it was really um, devised, I suppose, to uh, curtail workers in industrial action. And in that regard, it has been successful because it has effectively, I suppose, turned the trade union movement into a service industry rather than uh, a confrontational organisation on behalf of the working class. Um, the Act has succeeded in that area. Will the Act survive? Well, I think that's actually up to the workers themselves. We have, I suppose, developed a new proletariat, particularly in the sense of the foreign workers who have been working in our country for the last four or five years. These tend to be the workers who are on the lowest pay. They tend to be the most exploited. But slowly but surely, they're learning about organization, and a lot of them 
are quite frustrated with the idea is that we have so much legislation which is supposed to be protective but by the time a worker say uh, commences in a dispute or whatever it could be months by the time they see the, um, the end of that dispute coming to some kind of a settlement and I think there is a lot of frustration and you will see workers taking their own action so if you like they'll circumvent the 1990 Industrial Relations Act and in reality that will be the end of that particular piece of legislation Good to hear that <laughs> Listen, I'm going to bring this to an end and thanks again for having taken time to talk to us on this May Day 2020 Let's hear your hopes for the future and uh, well, I suppose, I suppose first thing about this May Day is that on behalf of the Independent Workers' Union is that we have to offer our condolences uh, to all of those who, friends and families of those who have died as a result of this terrible um, galler disease which is um, stalking the, the world. But interestingly enough about it is that although our government ministers, the interim Taoiseach and the interim ministers, uh, appear to be working pretty hard at their jobs and controlling it, but uh, has certainly shown up the shortcomings of the system whereby we found ourselves with not enough masks, not enough protective equipment. Uh, we didn't have ventilators. So it would seem is that over time, the investment that should have been made in the health service, uh, it's now showing up. In fact, the, the shortcomings or the short-sightedness of various ministers and various governments probably for a number of years. And again, it's interesting to note is that when the crisis hit, we had to appeal to our medical staff, whom we had exported, our doctors and our nurses, to come home in order to assist in this crisis. And when you compare that to a country like Cuba, having suffered uh, an economic blockade for the last 60 years, and yet again, they're in a position to be able to export an army of medical staff to show their solidarity with a fellow EU country, say, like Italy, where the solidarity of the other EU countries was very, very short indeed. So one of the good things, I suppose, about this pandemic is that it shows up the shortcomings of our capitalist system, and it shows up, if you like, the successes of a socialist island like Cuba. There's going to be, I suppose, in the future, uh, we'll have to reevaluate our entire monetary system because we now have, again, the European system where the countries within the European Union who run surpluses, they seem to be unwilling to donate some of their surpluses to the countries who will be running at a loss, who have to borrow huge amounts of money in order to keep their economies going. Um, again, I mean, it's very simple in a situation like this for the European Central Bank simply to, to print money or to sell it to the various individual member states uh, by way of bonds. And when this thing is over, you need only just tear up the bonds so uh, we can have a, a complete re-evaluation on that situation. Um, 
this this um, pandemic, if you like, is going to throw up some very interesting ideas in the future. But like, there's two sides to it. We either go along with what they used to call normal, right, or alternatively, we're going to have to fight our corner, and that means in the end of the day, it's that it's the Irish workers and their allies, and indeed all European workers and worldwide workers are going to have to fight the situation whereby the forces of capitalism will try to impose more austerity in order to try and claw back what they would see as their losses. No, well, I'm not going to just uh, end on that note, but it's a very inspiring note. But just something strikes me that I'm talking to a Cork man in Cork City on the centenary of... Uh, the tremendous, tremendous effort Cork and the county made to break free from an imperial grip in the past and suffered. So listen, I suppose, Noel, on the centenary of that heroic effort by Cork people, it's great to hear that inspiring message coming from the General Secretary of the Independent Workers' Union, Noel Murphy. Listen, take care of yourself take care of your family and best wishes and thanks again for this inspiring May Day address Well there is a page in history when the workers they fought back when the might of exploitation at last began to crack In farm and field and factory and workshop, mine and mill A flame is lit, a beacon bright, that flame is burning still Connolly was there, Connolly was there Ray Bolden on the gyms, Connolly was there William Martin Murphy and his Dublin millionaires Tried bribery, corruption, hypocrisy and prayers This then the transport union, the Scots they didn't list But all their work was shattered by the scarlet iron fist Connolly was there, Connolly was there Rebel and on the gyms, Connolly was there When the bosses tried to sweat the lads way down on Glasgow's Clyde a voice of roar and thunder shaped them in the stride In Liverpool and Belfast Where the workers' life is hell But Connolly rose and give them hope The truth to you I tell Connolly was there Connolly was there Ray Boland on the gyms Connolly was there Irishmen the day will come When the workers are one and all Will rise up from that bended knee and ready to the call. Throw out the boss's tyranny and shout from shore to shore. For a socialist republic and for freedom evermore. Connolly will be there. Connolly will be there. Brave ball and on the gyms. Connolly will be there. Connolly will be there. Connolly will be there. That was Paul McAdam, one of Ireland's finest ballad singers. Thank you, Paul. A marvellous rendition of James Connolly will be there. 
As we all know, there has been a huge crisis in the health sector as frontline staff attempt to get personal protection equipment. We're now going to speak to a young woman who has been contributing her skills voluntarily to help provide for this much needed equipment. We're speaking now to Kiva Nilinchi on this May Day 2020. You're welcome and thanks for taking our call. Thank you. Kiva Nilinchi is one of those voluntary workers doing splendid work to provide PPE, that's personal protection equipment for people working in the health service and the care sectors. A serious failing by the state to provide an adequate amount of personal protection equipment for these vital workers in that sector. Kiva, congratulations. But to tell us this, how much difficulty did you experience in carrying out this work? Thank you, Tommy. Well, first of all, I was contacted by a girl that I went to school with. She's a nurse in Craigavon Hospital and she's on the actual COVID ward. And she contacted me looking to know, could I help with um, making scrubs, knowing that I come from a dressmaking background and that I would have the material or things like that here. So I started off using bed sheets that we had in the house, things like that, um, my brother's shirts, um, just making made up a pattern and started from there. Now, she had said to me that they had absolutely nothing to wear in the ward. They had been given one set of scrubs and after that there was none left for them. They were wearing their own clothes, as light a clothes that they could find under the heavy PPE equipment. And then as a result of how contagious the disease is, um, they were fearful of it spreading and also fearful of their own health. Um, wearing the, the heavy clothes underneath the PPE and having to spend four or five hours at a time on the ward. Um, I put out a message then in the, my local area and asking people for things like bed sheets, quilt covers, pillowcases. And I have to say the people on the ground, the local people were so generous. Um, they came with bag loads, black bags, boot car boot fulls of um, bed clothes and quilts and things like that. Could I just, uh, for two seconds, interrupt you, Kiva, to say to our listeners that you're based in a small village in County Tyrone called the Moy. That's really in the heart of the six counties. And it's astonishing to think that this friend of yours was working in the National Health Service, Kiva, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And they were left so short of PPE that they had to ask for voluntary contributions. Yes, that's, that's a scandal, really, isn't it? But tell me more. The, the local people were extremely generous, you're saying? They were unbelievable. People coming with bin bags full of shirt, old um, men's shirts and quilt covers, things like that, that we were able to do it. Now, thankfully, one of the local, um, they actually make nurses' uniforms and things like that, donated a roll of fabric to us. And over time, more and more local small businesses were coming to us and giving us rolls of fabric, rolls of cloth that we could then make fresh sheets or fresh scrubs out of so there was less chance of any contamination, things like that. Um, and from then on, a lot of people were contacting me and asking me, could they help me? Could they get involved with this? People from all over Tyrone and Fermanagh now are sewing 
scrubs and now they've moved on and they're sewing um, masks, bands to for the back of for the nurses and doctors' heads so that the masks aren't hurting their ears when they're wearing them for five or six hours at a time. These are the visors that they talk about, is it? Visors and also little... They're like wee bands that go to the back of your head that oh, you put yes. a button on them to pre- um, preserve their ears. Yes. Well, I think later uh, this afternoon maybe we'll be talking to some of the Fermanagh people doing the work on the visors. Yes. But it's really heartening to hear of the response there's been. And uh, you're actually, to be, again, to remind our listeners, you're actually working from your own home, from your kitchen, and you're being helped by your mother and some of your brothers, I believe. That's correct, Yes. Um, my mother made used to make curtains and dresses a long time ago and the sewing machine had been gathering dust for a number of years. So she helped me learn a few tips and tricks to speed things up. So without her help, we wouldn't have been able to do this either. That's your mother, Angela? Yes. Just for our listeners to declare an interest here, Kiva Nilinchi is my niece and Angela is my sister. <laughs> Tell me this, Kiva... Your brothers, they have, they have also been helping, I believe. They have been helping, and her lads have having a shirt left to wear, and I have I've stolen them all. Right, right, right. I, <laughs> I, scrubs. I, 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 I think they'll be okay. But, uh, I mean, to be serious about this, this, this really is hard to believe that an NHS, not to mind the care homes, people in care homes also, I believe, you're helping them with it. Yes, the local nursing home in the Moy had contacted me and said they had basically been forgotten about. Um, of course, there's no doubt about it, the hospitals on the front line, they need the PPE, they need the scrubs. But the men and women working in the local nursing homes had absolutely nothing. Um, I went down to, there's a man in the town was sort of, he made a depot that any businesses, local hotels, local engineering companies were dropping off any gloves, any hairnets, things like that, that they had spare. They were dropping them to his yard and then he was able to distribute from there. It was a central point and I had went down to get the things for the local nursing home. There was a district nurse. It was in the car park at the same time as me and she said there was 12 women working on that team and they had one box of gloves between them. That's incredible, absolutely incredible. We're talking here about, this is May Day, the Workers International Workers' Day for the Working People. 2020, it's over 150 years since the first May Day took place in Chicago, and we're, we're listening to this incredible story about inefficiencies and it's more than inefficiency I would suggest there has been evidence provided that in 2016 the British government carried out an investigation and identified some of their 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 report their people identified the need for to provide the basic personal protection equipment for medical staff in the event of a pandemic, in the, in the event of an emergency. And I mean, I would argue that to have that provided is every bit as essential, for example, or, and as necessary as providing a fire escape from a high-rise building. And well, we know that they didn't provide for that in Grenfell Tower in London, so there's maybe no surprise that a ruthless Tory government would uh, overlook the need to look after the staff as well. But Kiva, Thank you for this. I can't say it's it, it, it's enlightening on one hand, 
depressing to think what the state's doing, but it's incredibly encouraging to hear what ordinary working people will do and how they can rally around in emergencies, particularly today on May Day. So before we sign off, Keith, again, thank you for for talking to us and thank, thank you, you especially for the work you're doing, you and your all your friends and colleagues across the country that's doing this splendid work for us. But listen, would you rally the, the team there and give us a cheer for May Day? That was Kiva Nalinchi speaking to us there. And while she's doing wonderful work in County Tyrone, the others are doing equally valuable work. So we're now going to talk to a person from County Fermanagh who is really doing splendid work also in this field, along with many of his friends, comrades and neighbours. So we're now going to speak to Barry Murray. Chair of the Fermanagh People's Doll, Barry's from Liston Ski, and along with many other voluntary workers across the country, Barry's doing splendid work organising the uh, manufacturing of PPE, that's personal protection equipment, which has been lamentably left short by the state. So, Barry, welcome and thanks for taking a call on today, May Day 2020. No problem, Tommy. Um, We were inundated here in in the area with uh, local nurses and care workers who were terrified to go to work uh, because of the lack of proper protection at work. Uh, and we set up a, a little factory up in the local uh, primary school here in a little area called the Knox to manufacture uh, what they call scrubs and uh, visors and face masks. Now, there's been an, an extremely popular uptake of all of this stuff and we're actually... No later than yesterday, we supplied uh, 20 scrubs to a local care home and um, uh, visors to uh, care workers in the area here. I mean... It it seems extraordinary, Barry, and we've been hearing this in other parts, that bad and all as the hospitals are in receiving PPE, that the homes for the elderly and care homes seem to be overlooked completely. The, the, the girls working in care homes uh, and the girls working in around the areas here, and, and it is mostly women, in fact, working around the, the caring for old people around the area, they've nothing. And I mean, they're telling us that they have had nothing and have got nothing. Uh, and it's even a fight. Some of them were even questioned as to why the workers were being questioned as to why they wore, were wearing masks if they did wear masks or visors, uh, and were sort of told, you know, that that's not part of your uniform. So what they were sort of trying to do, these private companies were trying to do, what they were trying to sort of intimidate them out of wearing stuff that didn't uh, brand their companies. Uh, So these are private companies, Barry, making a profit from healthcare, looking after the elderly and the the weak and and, and ill? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and not not making the least effort uh, from our understanding, not making the least effort to give even the basic protection for their workers. Well, I have been talking to a number of people uh, 
uh, young woman that, um, that, that you're also in contact with down in County Tyrone, Nilinchi, and she was telling me something similar yesterday, and we've also been talking and will be talking later today in the programme to Patricia Campbell. And this seems to be a recurring feature that uh, private companies are in investing in the health sector they see it as a sector rather than a service and obviously if the profit motive's there the element of cost cutting comes in and, and it appears to be the case that the health of their patients is secondary to their profit is that a reasonable that's, statement? That's, uh, that's what it seems to us uh, I mean not alone are, are healthcare workers poorly paid uh, and at the lowest end of the wage scale uh, but the, the, they're also their protection is considered uh, an expense that these private companies are not prepared to spend on. Of course, and this being International Workers' Day, it uh, is something that we've got to keep in mind. It, the struggle goes on. It has been going on for several centuries, if not forever, as the opening words of the manifesto says, the history of the world is the history of class struggle. But uh, still very disturbing to hear that in the midst of a pandemic that you have ruthless, greedy employers and uh, entrepreneurs seeing the profit motive. But having said that, I suppose it is encouraging to talk to someone like yourself uh, organising a voluntary response to this, although it's, it certainly has to be uh, seen as as the very best of humanity, but something that has to be altered. So tell me, Barry, you're also the chair of the Fermanagh People's Doll. This, uh, this uh, initiative that you're speaking of isn't, and I'm not undermining your excellent work, but it's something that you're doing in collaboration with many of your friends and neighbours and and, uh, uh, and colleagues to, to put together this effort. Well, I mean, it, it has to be stated at the outset that, that but for the effort of the local women here in, in this community and this area, uh, given their time of free, uh, people who have been uh, discontinued their normal work for whatever reasons, um, I mean, they have spent now the best part of three weeks up in, in, in this mini factory uh, manufacturing these clothes. And I think that, that, I think that has, is very commendable. And, you know, there, there, there was a team of maybe at one stage of 10 or 12 local women here uh, ready to do whatever needed to be done. And, I mean, we see this as, as a, in solidarity with the workers. You know, you're, you're caught between a stone and a hard spot in the sense that, you know, you're supplying uh, PPE to companies, to workers, which the company should have supplied. But, I mean, and there's a, there's a sort of, in our minds, there's a kind of a contradiction there. However, I mean, as far as we're concerned, the protection of the workers and the humanity towards the workers is more important, and that has been shown by all kinds of people who have people who have donated all the materials that was used to manufacture this stuff. I mean, we were completely inundated with stuff. The amount of stuff that was coming in it was, it was fabulous and great to see. That's and from other people's doll, from sort of coordinated uh, a lot of that from behind the scenes. That's, that's, that's very interesting because the generosity of the local people was something that uh, Kevin Lynch mentioned to us as well. Uh, it strikes me, Barry, that listening to what you're saying and listening yesterday to Kiva and, and we're talking later to Laura Duggan uh, in, the, in the programme, that it would appear that 
left to our own devices. The working people are well fit to manage their own affairs. We don't really need private profiteers and we don't really need Tory governments or blue shirt governments as we are unfortunately inflicted with south of the border. That working people can organise themselves and 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 manage quite well, in fact, quite, a lot better than we can with the uh, burden of, uh, of profiteers and, and, and uh, conservative I mean, politicians. I mean, it's, 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 it's very clear to me, and it's very clear indeed to the people who are doing the work, that, I mean, they knew what to do without question. I mean, there was no need to even explain the local people here what to do. I mean, there's local people even doing deliveries of groceries to people. And, I mean, there's a, there's a WhatsApp group here. And the minute you put it up on it, there's two or three people looking straight away to do it. Like, And they're getting nothing for it. They don't need it. And they're organising and they know what needs to be done. And it's my contention that until people are actually get to understand the power that they have and become, become empowered and begin to take on, uh, you know, uh, uh, a new paradigm in democracy, a participatory democracy, and work at that level where they can organise in local communities and local areas and uh, build up uh, to, towards people's people's assemblies in Bali. But, I mean, that's that's where the power's at. I mean, it's just clear that people and have they've seen such a failure of the system and such a failure of government around them at the very basic level of providing protection for frontline staff, nurses, and doctors. I mean, if, if, we, if, we, if we even want to go into the statistics of the number of frontline staff that have actually died, consultants and doctors, people who are scarce in the first instance and they're being allowed to die because of, because of lack of proper protection. And people see all that. People understand all that. And people, people are not... The other thing that, that I heard quoted quite uh, often is, you know, suddenly when this crisis hit, it was £330 billion just magic out of the air all of a sudden, yet there has been no money prior to this for uh, medical health, for doctor, GP surgeries, uh, not even money for roads, not even money for uh, infrastructure, not even money for nothing. There was no money anywhere at, at council level or government level. Suddenly $330 billion plus another $330 billion plus an endless amount of $330 billion. Uh, yeah. And I mean, people see this and understand it, you know, and they know they can do the things themselves if they need to. They just need the confidence, and I think they need maybe, you know, a bit of direction, a bit of understanding that that, that it is their business to be sure. part of organising the country. Sure. Of course, there was always money for the profiteers and the and the and, and the, the great and the good. Well, it was clear that uh, as soon as this crisis hit, uh, you know, suddenly there was there was immediate talk by Tories and blue shorts in the south of of uh, uh, you know. Uh, a universal living wage. Of course. They, I wonder where did they get that idea? Seems of very course. socialist idea to me. That sounds very strange. Before we, we we go here, Barry, maybe you would say a few words about the thinking behind the Fermanagh People's Doll. I believe there's also one in Tyrone as well. But uh, this is a new, or is it new? And what what's the thinking behind it, Barry? Well, the thinking behind the Fermanagh People's Doll uh, is to to create a, a forum. Uh, whereby ordinary people can come in and, and give their point of view, and to that end, uh, on anything, and to that end, we, we are working towards setting up a, a digital platform for, for many people to all people who wish to make contributions about any topic, particularly topics that are of serious concern, uh, and that that facility will be made available for them in, in the near future. 
And you have used that structure, Barry, sorry for cutting across you, but you have used that structure then to uh, organise locally to deal with the fallout from this pandemic? Oh yeah, and, and I mean, uh, I mean, the amount of people. I mean, even on our on our Facebook page, the amount of people that you know are looking to be to befriend the Famana Doll page is is, is unbelievable. And, and, okay. it's, and the debate and the discussion and the amount of stuff that's going on on that page is. Okay. I mean, it's a reflection of what people want. It would appear that people realise that uh, people's assemblies and dolly uh, are the way to go. Okay, well, listen, Barry, again, this is May Day, International Workers' Day 2020. Thanks for your time. Thanks for talking to us. And, of course, congratulations. And thank you and your colleagues and neighbours for the splendid work you're doing. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on this. uh, I might just add at the the end here that tonight, uh, for Manna People's Doll, intends to put up uh, uh, red flags all over the country here to... (laughs) We'll, we'll, look, we'll look forward to that, Barry, and send us a photograph. Thank you, Barry, and thank you. And best wishes to you, all your colleagues and the, the worker, all the working people of County Fermanagh and beyond. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Bye. I think, therefore, in tribute to Barry and his comrades with their campaign to hoist the red flag, we can do no better than hear again once more from that splendid singer, Paul McAdam, as he sings... You know what? People's flag is deepest red, it's shrouded oft, our martyr dead, and other limbs. Stiff and cold Their heart's blood died It's every fold So raise the scarlet Standard high Within its shade We live and die Though cowards flinch And traitors sneer We keep the red flag Flying And the Frenchman loves its blaze The sturdy German chants its praise In Moscow's vaults, its hymns are sung Chicago swells, its surging throng So is the scarlet standard high Within its shade we live and die Though cowards flinch and traitors sneer We'll keep the red flag flying here It's waved above our infant nights When all I had seen dark as nights And it's witnessed many as a deed in We mustn't change its colour now so is the scarlet standard high Within its shade we live and die Though cowards flinch and traitors sneer We'll keep the red flag flying here 
well recalls our triumphs past. It gives us hope of peace at last. The symbol breaks the message plain of human rights and human gain. So is the scarlet standard high. Within its shade we live and die. Though cowards flinch and traitors sneer, we'll keep the red flag flying here. With our heads uncovered, swear we are the buried hand till we fall. Come dungeons dark or gallows grim. This song will be our parting hymn. So is the scarlet standard high. Within its shade, we live and die. Though cowards flinch and traitors sneer, we'll keep the red flag flying here. Tyrone People's Assembly and Ordal, and yesterday we were delighted to be able to interview two of their senior members, their chair Harry Hutchison and senior secretary Niall Bowen. So we're going to hear now from Harry Hutchison, a lifelong socialist and one of the great left-wingers of Northern Irish politics. After listening to Harry, we are going to play a song, and that will be followed then by an interview with Niall Bowen. Well, comrades, this is um, Harry Hutchinson uh, speaking from the Tyrone People's Assembly Doyle. And can I say, send greetings to the O'Donnell Forum uh, from everyone here in Tyrone and from our sister organisation in Fermanagh, who have also set up a People's Assembly Doyle. Uh, we send great greetings to you uh, on the eve of this International Workers' Day. I think you hardly need reminding that these are unprecedented times for workers in Ireland. And uh, <clears throat> never before have we witnessed workers facing such hardship as they're currently enduring. Um, predominantly, uh, workers in the health service who have to go into work uh, facing life and death situations um, and also people in care homes and people in the community facing a very similar situation. They're not facing just a pandemic. They're facing also the dysfunctional apparatus of the British state and the British government. Uh, every single day that they go into work is a life and death situation. A government's attitude to a situation like this, never seen in a hundred years, and still this state adopts a market-oriented approach 
to even a pandemic. Many years they've played the role of cutting our health service to the bone, which has left it almost one of the worst in Europe, which was at a very low starting point to such a situation that we're living in today. But now we're enduring not only a very poor health service that has been cut to the bone, but also one that they have not approached a situation like this in the direct manner that other countries have done and got on top of this viral that is affecting people here and worldwide. Um, this has exposed many, in many ways the British state for all its corruption, a close association with the corporations. And that has taken precedence over the workers themselves that have had to put themselves at the forefront to saving lives, to saving our lives. Um, it's times like this that uh, I think we've never witnessed in a very long time that we have seen workers rising up to the challenge. And that is particularly the people in the health service, but also those in the community, in the care practice, have to endure many, many years of low wages and conditions that have been made even more horrendous with shortages of beds and so on. But what we're witnessing today is workers rising up and taking uh, an initiative that has brought a solidarity amongst public sector workers and brought solidarity with the people who have come out week after week and applauded them for what they're doing to save our lives. I think, ironically as it is, even in times like this, we have seen a solidarity and comradeship amongst workers that I think we have not seen for a very, very long time. Um, coming out of this, I believe that people have seen the state apparatus of the capitalist system, but also I think many people are asking themselves, what type of a new society do we really need? The People's Assembly Doyle, here in Tyrone, here in Fermanagh, and hopefully right across the north and in the south of Ireland, have organised and certainly our aim is to create a new society and a better society, a society for the people in Ireland. And uh, what we have been doing now is to lay out that vision for the people of Ireland. So it's a great opportunity, I think, for us to really build on this and to move forward in the future. Can I get, send again my greetings to all of you in the O'Donnell Forums. Have a good day.
1913 the bus was rich and the poor were slaves The women working and children starving Then on came lagging like a mighty wave The workmen cringed when the busman thundered Seventy hours was his weekly chore He asked for little and less was granted Least getting little then he'd ask for more the month of August the busman told us no union man for him could work. We stood by Larkin and told the busman we'd fight or die, but we would not shirk. Eight months we fought and eight months we starved. We stood by Larkin through thick and thin. But foodless homes and the crying of children that broke our hearts. We just couldn't win Then Larkin left us We seemed defeated The night was black For the working man But on came Conley With new hope and counsel His motto was That we'd rise again in 1916 in Dublin City The English soldiers, they burned our town They shelled our buildings and shot our leaders The harp was buried beneath the bloody crown They shot McDermott and Pearson Plunkett They shot McDonough and Clark the Brave from Bleakill, and they took their bodies from Arbor Hill to a quicklime grave. But last of all of the seven heroes, I'll sing the praise of James Connolly. The voice of justice, the voice of freedom, his gave his life that men might be free. We're talking here this morning to a young man from County Tyrone, a socialist republic called Niall Bowen. Niall has wrote a very interesting piece on his thoughts about the current situation. One of the things that strikes me first, Niall, was your comment on the excessive amount of money spent on the Trident project by the British government. Would you maybe give us some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks very much, Tommy. Um, yeah, I suppose over this past few days and weeks, um, it has... Uh, caused um, most of us in society to sort of reevaluate uh, where we are now and where we've come from and I suppose looking back over the past few years you think of the squandering of so much uh, public uh, funding on, on projects and uh, uh, one that does stick out to me would be the, the Trident uh, nuclear deterrent system which uh, seems to uh, be a bottomless pit really for taxpayers money, British taxpayers money um, I know in 2018, the UK National Audit Office estimated that uh, the uh, total project would cost up to uh, 50.9 billion UK sterling pounds. Now, I know that has increased since that, but, you know, it, it gives you a sort of a, an indication as to where the priorities for the state lay when they talk about this nuclear deterrent to protect 
British people, and that's how I suppose they sold it to the British people, that this is a, a, a system in place for your protection. And yet and all, we see this invisible killer going across borders and across countries and nations all over the world, this virus, and uh, there just isn't the plan in place or the, the anything in place really to, uh, to protect the people from that. Uh, and I think it's it's fairly telling that uh, in an age where, um, you know, there is uh, not really much of a nuclear threat nowadays, uh, nations go to war now uh, over the computer cables and banking systems, and uh, yet and all the most vulnerable people in society all over the world um, are being affected by this virus, which nobody seems to be able to protect them, no state seems to be able to protect them from. And of course, uh, in spite of the 50 plus billion pounds that the British state is spending on Trident and arguably a vanity project since ultimately decisions on nuclear war in this sphere will be taken by the United States. But when you contrast that with the very miserly treatment of NHS staff uh, both, in, as we know, in, in the six counties of Northern Ireland and beyond that, and the uh, curb on pay to retail staff uh, who are now being deemed as among our key workers. Uh, yeah. I suppose that reflects on the system of values that the British ruling class have, Niall. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back as a very infuriating to think like we stood in the picket lines with our healthcare, frontline healthcare workers uh, only a few months ago for very moderate, for very moderate um, uh, pay increase and uh, working conditions. And then we were told by the British establishment that there was no magic money tree in place for these uh, key workers. And uh, we've also seen over the past few years that retail workers and other sectors have, have went um, asking for uh, what, what would essentially be a, a living wage and they've been told that they're um, as much as they are uh, surplus to requirements. That uh, the main wealth creators are, are the CEOs and the, the big company bosses that, that that run these firms. And uh, I think if we uh, if we take anything from the current tragic situation that we're in, uh, it should be clear now to all workers from any walk of life just how vital they are um, to. The, uh, to the actual basic functioning of, of, of the society which we live in. You were also looking, Niall, I think, too, at how the state, it's actually the capitalist state governed and on behalf of the small ruling class was able to adopt socialisation measures in order to save itself. And you quoted the example of a factory in Straban being... Well, uh, uh, commissioned by the state to produce uh, scrubs and other emergency yeah yeah i mean you know i mean this has all happened so fast and it's such a strange uh, time to be uh, to be in but it's you know it harks back i suppose as well to the crisis of the 2008 financial crisis where um in when capitalism is faced with these uh, crises they turn to the uh, principles of socialism um, to come to its rescue, and, and I, do, I made the point about O'Neill's uh, sportswear clothing factory. Uh, in the space of a couple of days, when uh, this crisis had come onto our shores, that the management had announced the uh, the 
culling of uh, 750 workers from that uh, from that branch, and uh, only to be, uh, I suppose, uh, nationalised for a time being uh, a few days later, uh, and the workers were put in to uh, to make in PPE for our frontline healthcare workers. It, it was almost as if Lenin himself had walked into Stravan, into O'Neill's factory and, and commandeered it for the state himself. I mean, it, it's really unprecedented times for people, for advocates of, of capitalism. Um, when we also see the, uh, the private hospitals in the six counties here and I suppose elsewhere as well, but, you know, I'm focusing really on the six counties here where... Um, we see that the state has went in with very little fuss, little or no fuss, really, and, and commandeered the, the the use of privatised uh, uh, health centres and hospitals. And, you know, we're not that far away from the last general election where the the existence of the, the NHS was being scrutinised within political debates with those on the uh, right, from the far right of of politics were advocating for more private influence within the National Health Service, you know. Of course. And, and in, you know, in these times of crisis then, where the world as a whole, as an international entity, as a global threat uh, comes upon us, the very idea that someone would want to privatise healthcare for profit and make it only available to those who could afford it seems in these times to be absolute lunacy, you know. Yeah, but of course you would suggest, you would agree with me, would you not, that uh, what's happening now is not actually socialism, it's the capitalist state attempting to save itself. And would you suggest that in the long term we really have to look for a socialisation of the economy and of society? Well, absolutely, Tommy. I mean, look, not, I'm not suggesting that the Tory government in, in Westminster have, have softened and have went to the far left. They, they are bringing in these... Uh, they are bringing in these measures to for the for the continuation of the capitalist society of the capitalist state, which they advocate for. Um, but as I say, they are implementing socialist type principles in order to do that. And we as socialists and we as workers um, must take and must take lessons from this crisis uh, to. Um, advocate for a socialist society and one that works for everyone because if we've learned a lesson um, and all workers should take this away um, right across the board the lesson that we can take away from this crisis is that workers organized workers together are a force like no other and, and can come together in times of need and therefore we should learn that in times of uh, our quote-unquote normal our normalised society that workers coming together uniting and organising themselves um, would be, is there for the benefit of all society and I think that that's a lesson that we should be putting forward and taking away from, from what is a, a, a tragic event that's unfolding before our eyes here I think on that note Niall we can wind up this conversation. That's been very enlightening and thanks a million and I'm sure we'll have you back again talking about these very important and relevant issues. Best wishes, keep safe and regards to the family, Niall. Thank you again. Thanks very much, Tommy. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you. Those TV preachers come out every night 
one hand of the television. They try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. Underneath says, But if you ask, how about something to eat? Just a hot dog. They're gonna answer in voices so sweet. about the type of people that will con us no matter what we do. Now, however, we're going to speak to someone who is quite the opposite, who is straight as a die every day of the week. Hello, we're delighted to invite and to have on the line here Laura Dugan. Laura works in Ireland's oldest radical bookshop, Connolly Books in Dublin. Laura, welcome on this May Day 2020. Happy May Day to yourself as well, Tommy. Thanks, Laura. Laura, although you're a native of Galway, you're living now in Dublin for some time. What's life like in Dublin during lockdown? 
boring, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that's that's the correct way to phrase it either. Um, it's been it's been quiet. Um, I, I'm I'm in a, a shared house with uh, four other people, and and three of them are nurses, and the fourth one works for the HSE as well. Um, so there's kind of been a fair bit of coming and going in the house as it stands with them anyway obviously um, our bookshop's been closed for the duration um, so it's it's kind of it's a bit I think maybe perhaps um, based on who I'm living with and that my experience of it has been a little bit different from others I'd imagine it sorry, I'd imagine it is uh, people working in the health sector uh, what's their experience in your contact with them uh, stressful um, everyone, uh, they were, they're all very stressed. I mean, they're all, they're all from out the country and that as well. So it's kind of a case of no one being able to go home and see family members. Uh, one of the girls, actually her older sister gave birth, um, and, and she was very, she was heartbroken not being able to go out and just hold the baby and all that. It doesn't, it doesn't quite a FaceTiming or, or Skyping or anything doesn't, doesn't quite replace that, that family connection. And that's so important. Um, when they're dealing with such huge amounts of stress uh, in their workplace and that as well. Um, it does have a knock-on effect then, kind of like coming into the house, we're all being quite conscientious of the fact that everyone's probably a bit more sensitive and having a harder time than usual, um, trying to be aware of that and you know making sure we're putting the effort in to look out for each other and that as well. But it's, yeah, it, you're kind of alternating between the extremes of no one's got anything to do and nowhere to go and all our plans have been cancelled and and kind of uh, at the same time, you're, yeah, it's, it's also just incredibly stressful in that as well. So I can imagine that. Tell me, we've been speaking earlier to some of our northern colleagues, and they're telling us that there's a great shortage of PPE, personal protection equipment. Is your uh, roommates or flatmates experiencing the same difficulty accessing PPE? Yeah, um, there has been difficulty. Um, one of the main things that was noticed actually was uh, people kind of taking it from the different uh, centres and hospitals and that that they'd be working in. Uh, when when there were still guests or uh, visitors coming into people, um, there was like the hand sanitizers being torn off the walls and that kind of thing. Um, and it was just a case of yeah, there were limited supplies. And obviously, they're they've been all right. Um, kind of overall uh, they've, they've had their gear and stuff every day they're not quite as badly hit as say those working in care homes or as home helps or anything like that who, who've they're kind of like shunted right down the bottom of the list that they, they are in hospitals and that so they've been able to get access to it but there sure. has been kind of continuous meetings and that about whether they were going to be able to source it and that sure sure i mean all of which reinforces the need of reminding ourselves on this the international day of the working people that the workers maintain society keep society going that we can get well by without the fat cats and the profiteers i'm trying to link this back into sort of the covid19 crisis and that that's going on um as well in current like the government that's in place at the moment we all martin being a part of it unelected as it is i suppose uh, as it stands there's this kind of this narrative that it, the, everyone's doing a great job that we're all sort of like pulling together um that you know we're, we're, we're all working in tandem with each other to, to, to get the country through the crisis and all this which is the same kind of narrative that happened during the 2008 crash and all the rest of it. We've kind of seen how that has worked out. And even now, kind of like this whole concept that we're doing a really good job under the current circumstances with the crisis and that, I mean, you, we've, we've talked very briefly um, about kind of like the ability of people to access 
PPE in the nursing homes and all that. But even with all that kind of in context, like we still have like the 17th highest number of deaths in absolute terms in regards to uh, across Europe and that. Now, at the moment, as you're talking about the health sector in the Republic of Ireland, it strikes me as incredible that we, the taxpayer, are forking out 115 to 20 million euro per month to rent hospitals off the private sector, people that are incredibly wealthy. So, say Well, that's been... Uh, the private hospitals, I suppose, under nor- normal circumstances, don't take the severely ill um, as it stands anyway. They, they, they push people into the public hospitals um, because they don't have the facilities or whatever to deal with, and it's not as profitable to deal with those who are actually severely sick. So the idea that we're renting private hospitals that we're paying out of public funds um, in the middle of the biggest health crisis that the country has faced um, is about securing the profits again for those people people who would at this time be suffering a loss otherwise um, have kind of had their income guaranteed by the government um, and, and by the renting of the hospitals and that as well as opposed to an outright say nationalisation of them this being a, obviously there would have to be a different ideological bent of the government in order for it to actually be brought in but to nationalise out hospitals, to, to take them under public ownership um, and use them uh, to, to, to suit kind of like the public's requirement, the, the people's requirements, um, kind of even outside of after, after this, because um, we know it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So it's, it's, all, it's always about making sure that none of these capitalists are actually making a loss at any point, and that's always going to come off the back of the workers like so. Yeah, obviously. Uh, it appears also to be the case that the care homes, homes for the elderly, seem to be uh, suffering a disproportionate uh, number of fatalities. The mortality rate among that sector is extraordinary. North and south, and we've been speaking to some of our colleagues this morning about the situation in the north, and there is now... An obvious need, I would suggest, for an all-Ireland, an all-Ireland health service. What would you think of that? Would you like to comment about that, Laura? I think it's the only way that it's going to make sense. Having two different approaches, um, kind of in in regards to you know, like COVID nineteen doesn't stop at the border. Um, we're, we're, we're one island we're, we're uh, unified physically anyway if not in any other regard um, there needs to be an all-Ireland approach to it it's the only way you'll handle, uh, be able to handle this crisis um, but, but any kind of like further crisis or whatever as well it, it, it creates it's an additional issue with like the two-tier kind of health service or whatever at the same time as well and you have people crossing back and forth every day be it for work or school or shopping or whatever the case is to, to act like um this, this border exists in regards to health, but it doesn't in regards to the vast majority of people's everyday lives. Like, um, no. and to have a two two different sets of regulations doesn't 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 make sense at all. Um, of and you can see now with like the kind of the spikes and that that are happening around Monaghan and Cavan and that as well. The this is likely due to the fact that there are two different responses and that is all that people are crossing back and forth. It just creates a level of confusion that's entirely unnecessary and not one that's um, not one that's productive in any any way to like the real uh, on the ground reality of people's lives. Like. Okay, Laura, listen, we'll bring this shortly to an end. But before we go, would you like to tell me your thoughts on this May Day 2020 and uh, 
I suppose, send you our felicitations from the Pat O'Donnell Socialist Republican Forum, but can you tell me what you're thinking at the moment about International Workers' Day? I suppose solidarity has to go out to the Debenhams workers. Um, it's probably been the quiet, quietest May Day uh, that, there's, that there's been for a long time in Dublin. Um, not that May Day is a particularly huge celebration here either, but that's something that we can work on changing. Um, but yeah, the solidarity to any workers who are attempting at the moment to, 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 to make their point and demand what, what is their right and what is their due, um, be it protections in regards to PPE or, or be it... Um, just looking for a decent, equitable fucking wage for the work that they've done. <laughs> Listen, sorry, solid- I went off. I went off there. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's good to hear the emotion. Listen, solidarity forever, sister, comrade. Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for giving us your time today, May Day 2020, and we'll not forget it, and we'll not forget you. And thanks again. And give our regards to all your colleagues, comrades and friends, and especially those uh, people in the health service that's doing their utmost to keep the population safe. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. See you. Dan Achrenchant Ufar Astun Gallon Daravanyam Prunches O'Kewen Session Frankie Quinn to read a poem that he has wrote himself. Kajama Thashiv, I've been asked to read a poem for May Day, and this poem is called Refugees, and it represents everything that's rotten in our society today, where capitalism puts profit before people, where capitalism ensures that the economy is saved while innocent people die right across the world and has now manifested itself in wars not of the people's making but for profit and profit driven it has now been shown that this society created by Margaret Thatcher's individualism and George Bush policies it has left countries like England, America Spain unable to deal with the COVID-19 virus because of the rundown of their healthcare and their neoliberal policies. The poem is called Refugees. Dancing ghosts catch the steps of Alan Alan Cordai. Perform where giants pull levers of steel as they glide on the winged edge of a stage. People lie with empty sockets on tables of marble colourless palettes. Hollow shapes create scenes of tragic loss. On crimson waves splashed blood dry on small faces alone on Mount Sinjai. Reaching for hope where only drones see bodies broken where oil-soaked shapes make patchwork clouds stained deep in sands of nomadic tribes. Children float past bloated, laughing with gulps of salt baked on their lips, with pain creating hopeless corpse, rigid beside a beach ball, rainbowed surface, flat, half buried in soft cushioned footprints, where babies play and pass through each other's dreams. Innocence crushed by crowds rushing for shrouds to hide the flag, ragged and torn to shreds on razor coils adorned with sharp US dollars dangling from every fence. 
for low borders welcome those acting out the play, directed by the heartless who hold a skull aloft on Broadway. Cormel. Friends and comrades, you have been listening to a programme put together by the Pat O'Donnell Socialist Republican Forum to mark May Day, the day of the international working class for this year, 2020. This is Tommy McKearney from the Pat O'Donnell Socialist Republican Forum wishing all working people throughout the world and our own dear comrades a happy May Day. Keep safe, comrades. So let's sign off now with the song of the international working class sang for us again by Paul McAdam, the Internationale. you workers from your slumbers Arise you prisoners of once For reason and revolt now thunders At last in the age of cants Away with all your superstitions Surviving masses arise, arise We change henceforth the old traditions And spurn the dust to win the prize so then, comrades, come rally, and let us fight, let us face. The internationale unites the human race. So then, comrades, come rally, and let us fight, let us face. The internationale unites the human race. By reaction on tyrants, only we'll wage war. The soldiers too will take strike action. We'll break the ranks and fight no more. And the cannibals keep trying to sacrifice us to their pride. The soon we'll see the bullets flying, we'll shoot the generals in our own side. So then, comrades, come rally, and the last fight let us face. The internationale unites the human race. So then, comrades, come rally, and the last fight let us face. The internationale unites the human race. No saviour from above delivers No faith have we in Prince of Hill Our own right arm the chains must shiver 
chains of hatred, greed and fear And oh, the thieves will out their booty And give to all a happier lot He's at the forge, must do the duty And will strike while the iron's hot So then, comrades, come rally And the last fight let us face The international unites the human race So then, comrades, come rally And the last fight let us face the international alien the human race.